This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. That's Arthi. That's Noor. And you're listening to The Reality Is. I feel like I have been in the desiccator for the past couple months because I feel like dried up my face and my skin feels dried up. Uh, There's no, it really feels gray and dry and dull. So I am going to try out a face mask every time we record and I'm going to try out a whole bunch of different ones. So last week after we finished our recording, Arthi and I decided that we are going to turn our recording sessions into also relaxation sessions. We're going to get into our robe. We're going to get a nice beverage. We're going to put on masks. And guess what? Neither of us are wearing any of that. But hopefully that's the plan moving forward because then it's like we're doing it. And when you're listening, hopefully if you have the ability to do so, you could put on a mask, get into your cozies and listen to us. Right. You know, enjoy a bev. But that's not going to be today because we did. We forgot. We were working. We were working. So uh, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Did you get proposed to? Nope. No. I did not. And the saga continues. Still married to a man who never proposed to me. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Can we do a Tiffany Moon appreciation moment right now? Oh my God. That was so fun. Okay. So on Saturday, we released our last episode and Tiffany Moon reposted it on her Instagram page. And I just about lost my mind. I was at my brother's house. You texted me saying, yeah. what did you say? Tiffany tagged us in a post or something? I was like, what? And I thought it was just going to be like her taking our Instagram post and just sharing it on her page. Yeah. No, no, that's not what happened. I'm such a dud here. I didn't know what level of sharing this was and how and why you were losing it. I was like, yeah, she has co- commented. She's liked us before. Why no, no, no. It? It's different because, okay, and this is like you guys, people are going to be like, it's not that big of a fucking deal. It's possible she didn't even listen. But she didn't just share a post from our Instagram to her story. First of all, she clicked on the link on our Instagram page. Then she went and selected iTunes or whatever, and then found us on Apple Podcasts and then played an episode and listened to it and then posted a screenshot of her listening to our episode from last week. And it said, I'm not really into podcasts, but this one is really great or something. And I like, I was like, oh my God, like that's a really big deal. And she followed us on Instagram. And she followed followed us and the thing is like this is a big deal because we're not doing a podcast for the cams and the stephanies and the brandies problematic oc types like we're putting a podcast out because for bravo the thing they need to understand is there is a whole host of viewers they don't belong to a bunch of yeah. wealthy white blondes from oc yeah a lot of their viewers belong to the many shades that exist in this country and the various backgrounds and i feel like tiffany represents so much of that so her reposting something really made me lose my mind you went through all of this and all i said to her was oh wow thank you <laughs> 
<laughs> I lost it. So yes, if Tiffany Mood you are listening, we are so appreciative of all of all of it. And also if you're listening because you found us through Tiffany's page, then welcome. Very exciting that you're here. And hopefully yeah. we don't say something today that you're gonna be like, mm, nope, they're also problematic. <laughs> <laughs> True. Did you see what her husband got her for Valentine's? Um yes. I mean I like did. that's leaning into the no shoes inside the house. And I was so proud of it. It's a little too much, but it's I was so proud of it. It is not too much in my opinion. I think it's perfect. So what Tiffany's husband got her for Valentine's Day is an automatic, like it's like a thing you put your foot into it and it automatically wraps your foot in a disposable booty. And let me tell yeah. you, like one, I'm I'm hello, I'm brown. We don't wear shoes yeah. inside. Then on top of that, I'm OCD. My husband's OCD. We are germaphobes. And so for me, that was like perfect. And I've looked that product up before and I've showed it to my husband and he's like, stop it. He was like, honestly, we could just like not have people over. And I was like, that's actually a great solution also. But <laughs> I would love that thing. That's how we solve the problem. in the <laughs> We are currently building a bar in our basement. My husband is talking about the seating and all of that. I'm like, who? coming though <laughs> who's coming it's going to be the next realtor who comes to sell the house and we'll have to point out and say look you can see 25 people here and <laughs> it's like but we only see two people here because just me and him we don't invite people over so it's like okay what are we building this for why are we doing this all i wanted was a semi-finished basement with the washroom downstairs so I could get the dogs in through there and give them a wash before they come in because they're bringing so much dirt in. That's all I wanted. But now we have a bar going on. As far as I'm concerned, all that sounds to me is you've just moved the alcohol further away from you. And that doesn't seem like an improvement. That seems like a regression right. as far as I'm concerned. Right. No, the alcohol doesn't move away from me. I have drawers here. <laughs> I can always stash a gin or two in my drawer, in my work drawer. <laughs> It doesn't. There's three dacha and there's alcohol. Okay. <laughs> and alcohol in my drawer at all times. But yeah, so it, it's a lot. It's a lot for me. You know, and those kinds of stuff, I will look up and then I'll be like, where do I get the disposable booties? Will I get refills? And how long is it going to take me to get a refill if I run out of booties? I feel like you can get that Amazon Prime two days. That would make it useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of wearing shoes in the house in a pandemic, one thing that's driving me crazy is that they all keep wearing their shoes in summer house. Yeah. What's happening there? We get it yeah. that you guys are quarantined and everybody done taking tests and stuff, but you're also wearing your shoes all up inside of the house. Yeah. Now, all I can do is notice that. Every time I watch a show now, I'm looking to see if they're wearing shoes in the house and that's driving me nuts. Now... I've been yeah. that way always. I've always noticed that people wear shoes inside their houses and it drives me bananas. Like we just started watching The Undoing mm -hmm. and they're always wearing shoes inside of the house. And I'm like, you guys live in New York. There's no reason for you to be dragging that shit up into your very fancy house. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to summer house. So some people wear shoes inside of the house. Someone else wore a salmon suit with shorts. He looks so voluptuous. He does look voluptuous, right? Like, I feel like Carl is really embracing his pear shape. He's like, yeah. you know what? Everybody's out here. They're embracing their curves. And I'm not fat shaming anybody, by the way. I he's curvy. He's curvy. He's curvy. And he, and he looks good. Carl is juicy. Juicy. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> 
Also, Carl's whole situation with his mom. Every season, Carl is such a piece of shit. And then his mom comes. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I love you, yeah, Carl. I know. I know. That's his one, that's his one <laughs> redeeming quality is his mom. And his relationship with his mom always pulls me in to Carl again. I'm like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you another year, Carl. I'll give you another <laughs> yeah. chance. Yes. Oh, yeah. God. I thought that was really cute. And then he made sandwiches for everyone, which is really, really adorable. Aww. And it just bummed me out that we had this like sweet moment with Carl and this like really cute thing that Amanda did for Kyle and his birthday where they all just played restaurant, restaurant. That was cute. But also it took forever. I was like, if this is how the rest of the quarantine is going to go, them playing games with each other. Oh, we play restaurant today and we're going to play some other game tomorrow. It's going to be that's going to wear on my nerves. It's also really funny and obvious to see that like several of these people have never worked. Right. Like they don't, they don't know how these things work. Like I know that you've eaten at a restaurant, but you clearly never worked there. And maybe even the times that you, you've eaten at a restaurant, you have not right. noticed how restaurants are run. It's, it's It was just hysterical yeah. to me. So there's all that stuff with Sierra and Luke and all of them. But the mm. funniest thing to me in the entire episode, the funniest, mm. most hysterical thing to me was the ongoing fight between Lindsay and her boyfriend. It was hilarious. Did you watch Laguna Beach? Yeah. But Lindsay complaining about Steven. Yeah. It was very much like, oh, I have like PTSD. I was like, oh my God, why am I triggered? And it was like, oh, Kristen Cavallari saying Steven over and over and over again from Laguna Beach. That's like all I heard. Yeah. <laughs> but the funniest thing about it is like, you can see this happens every season. And this is why Lindsay is such good TV. It's like you always you see Lindsay make a passive comment, right? Like yeah. so in the beginning of the episode, she goes, Damn, Stravi be working too many hours, right. Right? right? And then you know though that like she's saying this with a tinge of like, I'm really mad that you're working this many hours. Yes. When she says that, you immediately know that's gonna become an issue with Lindsay. <laughs> like you are crapping out. That was like the that was like the prologue. Now you know what the book is about. <laughs> it's so funny. But the weirdest thing to me is, where is this man's office? I don't understand. Because the camera keeps oh. cutting to a bathroom with a mirror. But the right. mirror, is, I'm like, is he in the mirror? Is there a window? I don't well, understand. I I had the same issue. So first I thought, this is just a reflection of him in the mirror inside the bathroom, the camera is focused on the mirror and it's a reflection of him from elsewhere, right? Like behind the camera or whatever. I'm like, why are they doing that shot with him in the mirror? But there's a bathroom. So I'm wondering if it's like a Jack and Jill kind of room and there's like two doors and the camera is catching it from the one bedroom into the other. And he's on the other side of the bathroom on the other side in a different room with the desk where he's working. Oh, or maybe like a little closet in the bathroom that they've turned into an office that is reflecting reflected in the mirror either way I get vertigo watching it because yeah. I'm like I don't know my space is all discombobulated I don't get it but it's just so funny to watch this man sit in a bathroom slash closet and demand right. drinks and sandwiches it looks, it looks <laughs> like she's constantly looking into the bathroom and yelling at him yes and you expect him to be sitting on the toilet but he's actually <laughs> sitting on his desk 
that bothered me too. I was like, where is he sitting? I don't understand. It's <laughs> so funny. Everything Lindsay does is so funny. Everything about her is hysterical to me. So she's like mad that he's she's like low-key mad that he's working. And then he finally comes out and they're making out and roller skating. And then mm-hmm. he gets a phone call and you know that she's about to lose her shit because he's like, Oh, I got a call from my boss. And he's like, she's Yeah, like, oh, he's like he doesn't even want to be with me. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that he has lasted this long with Lindsay, he needs an award just for that. Because you know, Lindsay does this all the time. Like, you cannot get up midway through a kiss with Lindsay (laughs) to answer a call. No, you you cannot walk away mid-sentence from Lindsay. She has a... I think she's a little bit OCD in that sense that if she starts something, she has to follow through and see it through. So if she starts a fight, she sees it through. (laughs) You know, if she started getting angry, if she's getting activated, there's no way you're going to stop the activation. Yeah, you cannot deactivate. There's no, No. there's no reset button no. no no she needs to get to the other side of that activation cycle in which case i appreciate her dedication right to her lunacy because we have known her for this long i almost have like soft feelings for her yes absolutely i find it admirable to be honest yeah. it's like this is just who she is for her to be a functioning adult and in a relationship with that lunacy going on yes it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, that, what else did she do that was just so funny to me? Steven is in charge of making dessert when they're playing restaurant. Yeah. And he's she like, turns to Sierra and she's like, all he's ever made me is noodles with some sauce on top. I'm like, he made your pasta? Like, that's, that's, <laughs> fine. that's fine. But then also yeah. like, I did, I got really mad when Steven was like, yeah, I am still working, but I'd love a sandwich. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, 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 you do not ask Lindsay. You don't ask Hub House for a sandwich. You go make a sandwich for Hub House. How <laughs> dare you? I know. I mean, I can understand. He seems to be the only one that's actually doing actual work. And yeah. he is old. And he's looking at her as a partner in life. And he's like, would you mind getting me a sandwich? But he didn't put it that way. He's like, I would love a sandwich. I'd love a sandwich. (laughs) And she's like, so would I. (laughs) The only other person besides Travi that works is Danielle. Danielle. And she's always like in the middle of work when Lindsay is coming and complaining to her about something and Danielle's looking at her like bitch you can obviously see that I'm working right now right like, like <laughs> Danielle isn't Daniel isn't a full at least zoom suit right where her bottom may not be <laughs> appropriate for zoom but she's wearing a jacket just sitting in front of her computer she's sitting yeah. up right you yeah. think she's about to be on a zoom call or she's on a zoom call and Lindsay just comes in in her shorts and angry all <laughs> angry that Stephen asked for a she just bursts in and she demands Danielle pay her attention and Danielle did like a wonderful thing that I think we can all relate to if you've like worked in an office and been in the middle of something and you've got a co-worker who will not shut the fuck up and you're like you just kind of have to turn around and be like "Mm, yeah that's really bad I'm so sorry for you or like oh you're right that sucks and then you have to like turn around and continue working and it's like the perfect balance of giving this person enough attention but also Meredith Marks disengaging to yeah. be like I gotta get yeah. to work perfect yes you 
you just don't barge into somebody's room during the day, especially now when everybody's on Zoom calls, you don't do that. No. That's like my, my kid or my dog barging in and I have to, you know, shoo them away. And you cannot do that with a grown ass woman. You definitely cannot shoo away Lindsay Hubbard. <laughs> she would pick up Danielle and throw her out the window. Danielle was like, can you not? I'm on a call. She would yeah. lift her up. She would become the Incredible Hulk. Her clothes would rip. <laughs> She turned green. She'd lift Danielle up and throw her out the window. There would be a shot of Luke making a table outside and you just see Danielle flying out the window and falling into the pool like Jazzy Jeff in Fresh Prince. That's what would happen to Danielle. Yep, yep. Speaking of Luke, what is what is Luke building a table for? What is that for? I don't know, man. He's the worst. Like he just came in and he came with his own lumber supplies and started building a, a table. Uh, yeah, I don't understand. Like, did he pack? Well, we know he did not pack any belts, but he right. did pack several a magnum sized condoms. Okay, like a sixty-five. Like it was like a hundred and sixty pack of condoms. It was like you're there yeah. for six weeks, sir. You right. have to calm down. Okay, that's a lot of wishful thinking. Like, right, and some muscle milk or something like that. Yeah, I was like, you definitely need protein if you're a man in your 30s and you think you're going to use that many condoms in six weeks. Right. Okay, Luke, right. I don't know how old Luke is. Yeah, I don't know what his whole shtick is with the tables and the jewelry. Like, he's such a weirdo. Yeah. I have to say that as much as we are on the record, not a fan of Hannah Burner, mm-hmm. as much as she's a pain in my ass, I did have a reaction to watching her get gaslit because nobody liked yes. that. Yeah. However, Summer House is trying to gaslight us, the viewer. That's what I think. So here's my theory. That Luke and Hannah, before the season started, had this agreement that, you know, they would hang out with each other and pretend to have a storyline together. Because neither of them have a Mm storyline. But Hannah met this other guy and or had just met him or started dating him or whatever. This other Irish comedian who apparently is also fully problematic. She was either just starting to date him or had started dating him or whatever. And I think when Luke brought in Sierra, he broke that pact that he had with Hannah. Because what mm. what, what storyline does Luke have? If he doesn't have a storyline with Hannah, of Hannah being jealous or whatever, what storyline does Luke have? That's a great point. That's so when he came point. in with Sierra, Hannah suddenly had nothing to go on. So she made it into a Luke is cheating on me, Luke is gaslighting me storyline. And Luke is basically saying, when he Luke says, Hannah, we talked about that. Be careful what you say. He's trying to hint to her that don't start talking about what we had a pact on because oh. I will not agree with that. First of all, excellent theory. I love that. I love a tinfoil moment on our podcast. Which usually comes from you. I'm turning into you now. <laughs> I'm so invested in this Luke and him. <laughs> And I'm bullshit and I'm going to catch them in it. I want to know where, what they're messing us, messing yeah, up. Yeah, I think that's like another thing, right? It's like, bravo, We, your viewers are people that have been watching reality TV for like 20 years. You can't let this slip by us. And also, right. like I said this before, get your talent to stop using Instagram and TikTok and all of this stuff while you are filming. Because when you do that, you take away yeah. the actual plot of the show. The thing mm-hmm. is, like you said, Hannah's been dating her current boyfriend since June. She was yeah. on chat room 
room talking about it. And they right. only started filming Summer House at the end of July because Kyle's right. birthday is the first week of August. What this is, where it's coming from, why we're being forced to watch this doesn't make any sense. But because you said if they had a pact and Luke went back on the pact, that could be why Hannah is being so emotional over it. Right. And why she was like so obsessed with making him look bad. That being said, yeah. she doesn't have to t- try that hard to make him look bad. He's kind of a dodo bird. Yeah, he's a douche. And he is kind of literally stringing these goats along. Yeah, it was a stringy beard. I know. He looked like a homeless person. Absolutely, he looks like a homeless person. They needed to like hose him down before he came into the house. Yeah, and it was weird because it was like he shaved his beard this episode, and then I saw his regular face, and I was like, why do I still not think you're that cute? Right. I don't know. Maybe our standards like, are No, I, I'm literally saying he looked grimy. He looked grimy yeah. too. Yeah, because you know, my thing is like, if that's what's growing on your face, what's growing elsewhere? Oh, why? Why would you do that to me? I'm just saying it's a, it's a valid question. How could you do this to me? <laughs> yeah, but I would appreciate Summer House if you would not gaslight us. Okay. Yeah. We're not dumbasses. Yeah. The uh, the part that I liked was Sierra sitting there thinking, what have I gotten myself into? Somebody come yeah. get me out of this conversation. Hannah going, Hannah walking into Sierra's room, like while she was doing some work and just barging in and then going to the other side of the bed and telling Sierra to get up and close the door. I wanted to slap the shit out of her. I'm like, you walk yeah. in, you close the door. Yeah. Sierra just seems to be an awesome addition. She seems to be somebody who's very sure of herself, doesn't quite understand why Hannah is losing her shit, and just wants to have fun and uh, not be involved in any of this drama. So she doesn't yeah. participate in yelling at Luke. So it becomes a Luke and Hannah thing and Hannah suddenly realizes she's coming off as pathetic and she starts hyperventilating even more. She just gets yeah, worse. Yeah, it's humiliating. Exactly. Yeah, it's humiliating at this point. And for Paige to just sit there and watch that drama on the sideline and not come to help her, it just tells you who Paige is too. I don't think their friendship is any close friendship or real friendship. I think they just they get along the most with each other and that's about it. I can imagine being in Paige's shoes and being like, I did this with you all last summer and I stuck up for you and I'm not going to get involved in this again. The fact of the matter is last season, Luke and Hannah chased each other or whatever. They hooked mm-hmm. up. I guess they were together towards the end of the summer. They hung mm-hmm. out for a couple of months. The pandemic happened. And then four months went by where they did not see each other. And right. my whole thing is you've been spending all this time together. You've been having dinners together. He thinks of you. He literally thinks of you as his pal. Right. He calls her a buddy. He calls her her dog. Burn dog. What a lady boner killer. I would never want my significant other to be calling me burn dog. Any word with dog. If my husband ever called me buddy or pal, I'd be like, are we getting a divorce? What's happening? I can see Paige not wanting to get involved because she's probably like, this is a dumbass storyline. Yeah. Or Paige knew about the other boyfriend and she's like, okay. Yeah. Paige is probably like, I don't know why we're wasting our breath on this. Maybe Paige is more like, it's more, let Hannah make Luke look like an idiot if she wants to. We're not going to get involved because then he's just going to yell at us and we don't want to get right. Involved. Okay, so we watched this week, not even this week, like over the last two days. Yeah. We watched a show on Netflix. It's brand new. It's called Buried by the Bernards. Yeah. Arthie, what did you think of it? It's different from a lot of the shows that we watched. I was disappointed Pedro Parch wasn't in there. <laughs> but it was funny. 
there were some characters in there that were hilarious and I would watch a sequel if it came out. I would watch it because I found many of those characters quite interesting. Yeah. So this show is definitely not for everyone. No. It is a show about a black family in Memphis that owns a funeral home. And obviously the elephant in the room is that this is a show that is dealing with death. They own and run a funeral home. But it's also a comedy. If you watch The Office or Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. it's like that. Where I started watching it and I was like, this is not a reality TV show. This is a sitcom. Like, there's no way yeah. that this is yeah. a reality TV show. Right. There is no fourth wall in this show. There's no fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah, everybody being the camera. They talk to the camera, no problem, which is actually so refreshing. And I absolutely love it. I think maybe that's why I think it's so funny. But it's like if you took The Office or Parks and Rec and you took, like, I don't know, like an Eddie Murphy movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you combined it. Yeah. This is what that show is. And I thought it was hysterical. However, like I said, the elephant in the room is that we're talking about death. And I think that it's important to know that, like, we are now watching the show after an overwhelming year surrounded yeah. by death. Yeah. Yeah. So we want a yeah. disclaimer that because this might not be a show that you feel comfortable with watching just because right. your mental health is not a capacity to watch a show like this. Right. Me and Arthi, right. we're cool with it. Yes, we were. Opening shots of just a dead person in a casket. That shocked me at first. I'm like, oh, so you're not, you're just going to show a dead person in a casket. Okay. Yeah. And then it was, as the show went on, it's a funeral home. So you see many caskets with many dead bodies just randomly sitting there. But I think for me in particular, like, I don't know if Arthi, this is the same thing with you, but I've got like a very strange relationship with death in that I'm very accepting of it like I think that when you grow up with so much family a lot of brown people do it's like weddings babies and funerals are just like a normal part of life like I remember being younger and going to so many weddings and in high school or something my friends telling me like oh I've only been to one wedding my whole life and I'm being like what the hell how how is that possible we just do a lot of weddings people dying is like is a thing that happens and you're you're faced with it very early on I feel like yeah. when you grow up in a big brown family it's a big brown family multiple generations so there's somebody dying somebody being born somebody getting married at all times yes and it's like multiple generations that we're all very close to like that's the other yes. thing with they see people is yeah. like just because somebody is my dad's great uncle doesn't mean that i don't know them enough to not go to yeah. the funeral like we're gonna go right. to that funeral because that's just like right. the right thing to do so i think right. that like that's why i probably did not feel super uncomfortable I did feel uncomfortable like you did there were moments in the beginning where I was like oh my god wait like this isn't actually a sitcom it's real life so yes those are actual dead bodies and those are real family members mourning yes. the dead in the background of this other story that's happening yes however for me my takeaway was like the show is about a family that is surrounded by death all the time and mm-hmm. Debbie and Kevin, so we'll talk about the characters in a minute, but Debbie and Kevin are a brother and sister that are big, they're part of the business and they're the elders of the family. Yeah. But they've seen some shit growing up in Memphis because they're in their 60s. So yeah. you know that they've lived through, they've actually lived through the civil rights movement in yeah. Tennessee. So we're talking about people with that kind of trauma who have likely right. also seen so much death in their life. That right. are running a business that is surrounded by death and still somehow at the end, we're also seeing an extremely warm and absolutely hysterical, sweet, loving, successful family. Right. 
That was right. so fucking entertaining to watch. It was. When you first start watching it, the way death is presented, it can be jarring. Mm -hmm. To some can even feel disrespectful. Yeah. But as you go through the show and you get to know the characters and how they approach their jobs, you start understanding, especially with Kevin, there was a lot. And Kevin and the other guy, Tavion, you can see that they approach their jobs very seriously and with a lot of respect mm -hmm. and love and love for the the human that has passed when they uh, you know prepare the space and all of that i can feel it in this yes. so towards the end i felt like they were super respectful and they wanted to make their funeral home a place of comfort for the families that come through them yes absolutely the bernard family is ryan bernard it's called mm -hmm. RB Funeral Homes. So that's Ryan Bernard Funeral Homes. His mother, mm -hmm. Debbie, who is the actual boss, and probably my favorite person to ever be on a reality TV show yes. ever. She's awesome. Give this woman a star on the walk of fame, okay? Yes. I need it. Give okay? her a show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> then we have his Debbie's brother, Ryan's uncle, Uncle Kevin, yeah. as Arthi just talked about. Kevin is in charge of what isn't Kevin in charge of? He's a facilities manager, but he does, he takes care of the cars, he takes care of the embalming, he takes care of the makeup, he takes care of the caskets, he takes care of everything, and I everything. absolutely love him. Yes. Then you have Ryan's daughters, Reagan yeah. and Deja. And yes. they were so sweet. They were such sweet girls. So Ryan Bernard, first of all, first glance, I was like, is he cute? Like, yeah. I was very much physically into Ryan Bernard. I was like, this you is were? a very good looking man. Yeah. Really? He's oh. very handsome. He, is such he a gave me a face. lot of um, Pastor Jamal vibes. So I was like, oh. he's shady. I oh. got the impression that he was shady. That he was a playboy, and he is, but not not now. But he was at one point. Yes, he was. I thought, I thought he and Giselle would make a great team there. <laughs> they would make a great team. I think Ryan Bernard yeah. and Giselle should definitely date. I yeah. I thought initially first I thought oh he's like a clown who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. But the more and more I saw Ryan with his daughters, I was yes. like okay he's a great dad. That was the part that totally like stole my heart. And then also yeah. his relationship with Debbie. Now Debbie Bernard is a superstar. She is the shining light on the show. Yeah. She is. Yeah. I want to be Debbie when I grow up. I want to be Debbie when I grow up. What has she not done? I think she has done every job under the sun growing up. The best. And she is a hustler. Yes. She can out hustle everybody and she is she basically keeps all of them in line. She she is right because if she wasn't there bossing them around, they would all get lazy and not have the drive they have. She really truly pushes them to do better than they would they might otherwise. Yes, absolutely. If there's anything that I want for me and you, Arthi, and for our podcast, mm -hmm. is I want it to be as entertaining as it was to watch Debbie and Anne talk shit about their family. Wasn't that the best scene ever? That's like in episode five. Yes. If you make it to episode five, that's like the best scene on TV ever. Incredible. So Debbie's got this best friend named Anne. And Anne comes over for lunch every now and then. And then Anne and Debbie just talk shit about <laughs> Debbie's family. And it's so good. They make a plan. They want to go back to school. Debbie lays it down too. She's like, I called you here when the kids are not in the house, not in the uh, in the office. Wait a minute. Let me check if they're there. And she starts <laughs> screaming out their names and nobody <laughs> responds. And she's like, yes, they're all gone. 
they're all gone and they are trying to set me up they want to make me look like the bad guy but i wanted you here because i have an idea and the and the, her friend is like so you hate your children okay we know that it's about <laughs> the children i know you don't like them she's like nope they're all lazy they wouldn't be anywhere without me and she just makes up stuff she's like they go on for two to three hour lunches Meanwhile, they went for an hour lunch and they only went out for lunch because they were talking about another side hustle during their office hours. And she said, you cannot talk about the other business here. You yeah. have to go out to talk. So they went for a lunch. The girls went out for a lunch for an hour, not, not like two or three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and she's and asked Debbie and Debbie pauses. And then she says, yeah, they go for two, three hour lunch. Yeah. She's like, you're lying. And then she says to her, I have a plan for us to go to New York City and roll into college. And you know, these college kids, they have it real easy. They get free room and board. You get a meal card. <laughs> you get a computer. You, you get, get a free room. computer. <laughs> like you get a computer, you get a meal card. Oh, God. She's just amazing. Like the level of like vengeance and spite she has, her constant oh. feeling of like, I would be better appreciated if I was away from my family. Like, I think this is what I'm turning into. Because, you know, I yeah. my kids are only six and three. And I'm yeah. already sometimes like, well, you guys are going to find out when one day mama doesn't come home. They're like, why yeah. why wouldn't you not come home, mom? And I'm like, because I'm sick of you guys and you guys don't appreciate me. And then I was mm -hmm. watching this and I was watching Debbie say the exact same things. And I was like, oh, sweet, yeah. I'm on my way to become Debbie. This is wonderful. Right. Debbie tortures her oldest granddaughter the most. Yes. To the point where Deja quits every night. Yes. And then she shows up again in the morning. And Debbie is like, yes. rags on her for coming back. Yeah. Debbie also <laughs> directs the Funeral Homes commercial. Mm -hmm. And it's one <gasps> of so the weird. finest moments of television. You guys, you just, like, I know that this is a very uncomfortable topic to be talking and watching death or some family that deals with death. But, like, once you get past that sort of uncomfortableness of that and you get into these characters, it is so funny. Like, I don't even want to talk about the director scene in detail, but Debbie Bernard has a megaphone and she is screaming into everybody's ears because they're recording a commercial for the funeral home and Ryan turns and looks at the crew and he goes can y'all just tell her that like the megaphone is getting in the way of the sound of the filming because like we got to get that megaphone away from her she just does yeah. not give a shit and she's so funny and I'm like is she like a comedian I don't know because she's just naturally so hysterical right. and you know she knows that she's being funny too which is like yes. why i love her so much yes but she's not trying to hurt this is her but she also knows that she's good tv she already yes. knows she's good tv that's exactly. how she's a she has she has the confidence of lisa marlowe she does but truly deserves it too <laughs> yes exactly she also there's an episode the where the the granddaughters set her up on eHarmony and she starts to talk about Debbie starts to talk about what it is that she wants to do in her life and she says mm -hmm. she never wants to get married again but she will date a man with a private plane and I was like I get it Debbie yeah I do the same thing <laughs> and her just going on and on about like it doesn't matter what a man looks like if he's got a private plane if he's got a private plane we're going to Paris we're going to China, China. <laughs> it doesn't matter She's what like he does She's like the, at the end of the day, that plane is gonna be that plane is gonna be in pieces because you're gonna work that plane. You're gonna fly all over. Like, oh Debbie. my gosh! And then Debbie also is. Um, she's like, I don't. Um, she she wants to date 
and she wants to do something special like scuba diving. Yeah. But she doesn't like, I want scuba dive though. I will let him go scuba dive, but I want somebody who would want to scuba dive. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, she goes on a date and she gets stood up and then she comes back to the office the next day in the same clothes just to make her granddaughters think that she got, she's like been sleeping around. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, she's like, I got a rib. I, I got to eat some ribs. <laughs> yeah. Like, They're like, what did you get out of a date? And she goes, full rack of ribs. That's what I got out of this date. <laughs> but also, did you notice how she went? She goes, she goes into the restaurant. She sits down. She talks to the waiter. She's asked for two glasses of wine. Yes. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to drink two. So bring I both. <laughs> I love it. And the whole time, it's like, you know, we're so used to reality TV shows where somebody sits on a date and they're just supposed to pretend like the cameras aren't there. Mm-hmm. Not Debbie Bernard. Debbie Bernard is like, no, I'm waiting here on this date and I'm going to talk to the crew the entire time that I'm waiting. Right. It's so funny. She is. She talked to the crew the entire time. The, very, the, the show starts with Ryan opening the door, <laughs> welcoming the crew and asking them, is this all you are? Like four men. Four guys with cameras standing outside. She's like, is that it? One boom guy. And okay, that's all you are? Okay, come on in. And he walks you through. And he introduces you to the members of the family. And he walks into Debbie's office. And Debbie is like, is the camera on? Are you telling me it's on? Are you just telling me it's on? Hey, light is blinking. So hold on. And then she fixes her hair and makeup. And she's like, I don't want you to, I don't want you to show me like that. So she is talking straight to the camera. Straight. Like there's no, and that's actually what the funniest part of the show is that there's no fourth wall. Like we are not, we are not pretending like we are somebody else. Like we are just, they're just a a hysterical family that I love. So, and then we've got the uncle, Uncle Kevin, who you definitely like, like he's a character that I didn't realize. Like I did not know people like him existed in real life. Like I thought that they were just in TV, but like, yeah. He's a facilities manager from nine to five. And then he's straight pimping from six to midnight (laughs) is what he said. This one episode where he goes to buy a new, they go to buy a new hearse and just like, I can't get into how ridiculous it is, but the entire episode is amazing. They go and they go for a test drive with the hearse and they pick up drive through they get barbecue sauce on the on the seats. They somehow convince the owner of the dealership to lower the price significantly. Never go into the car to check if there's barbecue sauce on it, and then also put in a full detail before they give the car <laughs> keys to him. It was amazing. Like I've never seen like Lisa full Rinna detail who. because they messed up the inside. Yes, yeah. Lisa Rinna who like we're talking about yeah. hustles. Like yeah. this is a hustler. It was incredible. Yeah. I was like listening to him bargain, go up and down, bargain. I was like, Uncle Kevin has some Indian in him somewhere. Yes. <laughs> he, was like, he was good. It was a proper desi bargain. Of, it oh, was amazing. I'm going to walk away and come back and you tell me how much you're going to come down. Okay, I'm going to go for a drive and come back and you tell me how much you're going to come down. Like keep talking to the man until, you know, you tire the man out and he he doesn't even know what he's thinking. And he talks so fast a mile a minute and he has so much to say and he keeps switching topics yes. so that the man is completely confused. And he's like, fine, okay, I'll come down some more and I'll come down some more. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine how well he'd do in one of those bazaars in like India or Pakistan? He would, he would yeah. have the entire shop in his pocket. Yeah. But also like Uncle Kevin and Debbie are such characters that the entire show is actually built on the two of them, right? 
right? Their yes. characters. I cannot imagine growing up how they must have been together. There's so much story to them. You want to know them better. You want to hear their stories. You want to hear Uncle Kevin's stories of what happened. He teaches the class. He has these students come through for a site visit. And he's talking about all the stuff that he has seen. Yeah. One of the things that I took away from it, and it was actually on that episode when they had the class of students come in, was that yeah. this one of the students says, I want to have a funeral home and I want to do this business for my family so that my family yeah. has something. Ryan also talks about how he's doing everything for Reagan and Deja and he does this whole family mm-hmm. business. They're doing it together for their family. It's all so that they can pass it down to their family. And like in the last year, we've talked a lot about the concept of generational wealth as it relates to mm-hmm. white privilege and how white people are so privileged to be able to have generational wealth, which furthers the wealth yeah. gap, right? Between Black people and white people in America. We would be remiss if we didn't congratulate the Bernards for finding their ability Mm -hmm. to provide for their daughters because black people in America die at a much higher rate than anybody else. And who profits off of the death of black people in America? The funeral homes that are usually run by non-black people. So like the Bernards have actually, this is a black family in Memphis, Tennessee that has established their wealth that they will keep for generations. Mm-hmm. And it's yes, it's based off of a very dark concept of death, but like they've taken their trauma and they've made this lovely family business that is so yeah. interesting and so successful and so funny. Like their whole shtick is funny. Like yeah. their commercials are funny because yeah. they're kind of bringing humor into a space that you know you don't you wouldn't naturally think would go there. But like laughing and grieving are all normal parts of our human emotions. I mean, Arthur, you and I right. talk about it all the time. You've right. talked about it how when you're at a funeral, you can't help but laugh. Like yeah. it's just your natural reaction in an yeah. uncomfortable space. Mm-hmm. And they've taken this uncomfortable thing and created such a hysterical beautiful product out of it that like yeah. if you can get past probably when I say the first one and a half two episodes of this show yeah. by the end you will be like why don't we have more episodes of this family right it was beautiful I, I ended up loving every character I love the assistant Tavion who says that he grew up wanting, like from the age of four, all he wanted to do was work in a funeral home. First, I thought that's weird. Like he grew up wanting to. He's like, this is all I want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to embalm people. I want to be um, working in the funeral. I want to set up. I want to have work in the funeral services. I want to help people. He literally says, I want to work with dead bodies. Dead bodies. That's what he says. It's kind of weird. And you're like, huh. What does that mean? And then towards the end, he tells you why he chose that path. And that's because his mother died when he was four. Mm-hmm. And he has this picture of him standing next to the um, casket, looking at his mother and not moving. He apparently refused to move from there and was fascinated by the whole process. And he feels certain connection. Yeah. to his mother through his work with the dead. Yeah, every culture has their own, obviously. They have mm-hmm. their own funeral customs. Like Muslim customs are very different than your traditional Christian right. 
customs. For Muslims and Jews, both of us, we do a burial as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So if somebody dies on a Thursday night, the goal is to get them buried by noon Friday. Hindus too. So my uncle passed last week, right? So literally the very next morning he was cremated. For Muslims, for our families, especially if it's a family member that dies, there Mm -hmm. is an entire process that you do of cleansing the body before Mm -hmm. they're buried. And I had always heard about it growing up. And I remember thinking, this is really weird. But I've done it twice in my life. Once for my husband's grandmother and another time for my aunt that passed away a few years ago. And I have to say, there is truly something beautiful about taking this human form and preparing it in a way that I think we think we're, we tend to think of dead bodies in such a like almost like a morbid, grotesque way Mm -hmm. that you work with the deceased all the time. Well, when you do these things all the time, like you said, you you are preparing this family's loved one Mm -hmm. the last possible time that you can. It's like, this is the last time that your family members are going to see this person's human form. And so it's your job to make it as wonderful as possible. And while there's obviously like darkness to all of that, I actually Mm -hmm. think what they do is quite beautiful. It is. It's the same thing for Hindus. Uh, We prepare the body. We wrap the body and it's washed and cleaned and all of that. And it happens within half a day, um, yeah. quickly. And then we cremate them, and then we we put the ashes in the nearest river or a water body, whether it's a sea or river or whatever. We put the ashes in there. It helps in some ways. It helps bring closure when you do that too. It brings you closure. I did that for my father. It was. It brings you some closure in terms of saying your goodbyes. Yeah. And like what you just said, it brings you closure is I can imagine that if you're somebody like Kevin, Uncle Kevin, who is like such a jokester, for somebody like him who has likely seen so much death growing up in the area that he grew up in, seeing so many Black people die, probably. He is now getting to take that and he's now getting to help these families find closure in like a respectful, albeit the way he talks about it is hilarious, but in a respectful and like loving way. I mean, he's funny in the way he talks about it because he really does love it. Like he doesn't think there's anything gross about taking a dead body and going to somebody's house and picking up their deceased and then taking them to the funeral home and doing all the work and dressing them up. I mean, the man goes to a makeup class so that he can learn makeup skills of how to make people look better because he doesn't want to draw 1930s eyebrows on them anymore. Right. Like, it's funny, but it's coming from a place of love. It's also touching. It's so touching. It's kind of like taking your trauma and finding closure from it. And I actually find it quite lovely. Like, I think a lot of people might look at the show and say, there's no fucking way I'm watching a show about death. But to me, I looked at it as this is a show that's embracing death in a way that I found very human, actually. Yes. It's a very human and it kind of takes the stigma out of it that I thought yes, that was it's like a joyful approach yes. to the final goodbye. Yes. Oh God. Yes. That's per I just got goosebumps, Arthi. Yeah. I got goosebumps <laughs> from my scalp yeah. to my toes, my toe hairs. Yeah, you okay. need to move your um your hip flexors a little bit. <laughs> Maybe you're sitting on your sciatica or something. <laughs> no pinch. Uh, but it was lovely. I think everybody should go watch it. 
I, I, yeah, it is. I um, commented on Boss Debbie's Instagram, so she responds back, maybe we can get her on the podcast. How incredible was Oh, that my be? God. Did you? Does she have Instagram? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Awesome. They have Instagram. That's We're going to awesome. Oh, I would love to have her on. Yes. So what show are we watching next for Tuesday? There's a couple of shows. I am watching the new betting show from India, The Big Day. Right. I think it's okay. Just to give a little bit, it's, it's I think a deal. It's like three episodes, and each episode follows two couples that are getting married. They're not all the same kinds of couples. Yeah. The show is beautifully shot. I have a lot of thoughts on it because it is also the perspective of the one percent. That's not how all Indian weddings happen. Mm-hmm. And it's also the perspective of the North Indian wedding. But there's also a couple that's um, same-sex couple. So I want to see it, watch it just for that. So there's a lot of things we could talk about. I thought it was interesting. I think it's interesting from just an aesthetic point of view. It's beautifully yeah. shot. So it's Let's beautiful watch it and then complain about it. I love that. Yeah. I have a lot of things that are problematic about it that I want to mm-hmm. talk about. Perfect. Which is perfect for our podcast. So yes, it's content made for us. Yes, yes, okay. it is. Also, I'm really so. This episode is you're probably listening to this on Tuesday, the sixteenth. Yeah. Just a reminder that Wednesday, the seventeenth at eight p.m., we're going to be going on Instagram Live with Richie. Mm-hmm. Look. I'm not saying that I'm hoping for it, but even if somebody like Dorinda or Ramona or Andy Cohen accidentally joins the live, I can die happy. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. Just come watch Andy. It'll be fun. Yeah. Even if it's just an accidental, like, oop, oop, whoop, whoops. I actually yeah. got into a live yeah. I did not want to watch. <laughs> yeah. But which I, I seem to be doing all the time now, but constantly. Constantly. Can, so yeah, just do that, Andy. It's okay. <laughs> Um, all right, but that's it for this week. We'll talk to you on Saturday. Bye. Bye.